Hey guys, it's Heather here, and I just wanted to let you know about this super fun event that we have going on with the company that I am associated with, Left Field Media. It's called Epic Quest, and um, if you are a fan of being silly in front of a camera, uh, creating fun things, whether it be drawing or doodling, if you're competitive and you like doing little challenges and, and beating other people at uh, scavenger hunt-esque type things, then you're going to want to check out Epic Quest. It is a three-day team-based competition happening September 11th, 12th, and 13th. It doesn't matter where you live. You don't have to be in the same house with your teammates. So it is totally pandemic friendly and uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So if you're interested to know more about what the heck I'm talking about, you can go to leftfieldmedia.com slash epic quest and you can read all about it and register your team. I'm going to be heavily involved. So if you want to be my best friend forever, check it out. Before we get into the show, we'll discuss the Christopher Eccleston bit since we're just getting started. Um, so it was recently announced that Christopher Eccleston will be reprising his role as the Ninth Doctor for Big Finish audio dramas. Oh, Yay. that's cool. Yeah. Okay. We, yeah. As, well, at the, um, wait, was he at Gallifrey One this year? Yes, he was. Yes, okay, yeah. that's right. I can't remember because I didn't go to any of those panels. But I cut that I part do... out. <laughs> well, I saw him in at Rose, Rose City. City. Yeah, I you're saw right. him at Rose City, and I was like, I'll let the people who haven't seen him. I'm I'm good. Oh yeah, I remember um, that. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. <laughs> but um, but I do remember hearing at Gallifrey One that he was getting a lot of pressure to like do something with Big Finish audio is a big finish audio yes yeah i really didn't think in a million years he would everything that he's gone through you know when he talked at uh, rosecon when we were there but he's come a long way and he's realized the love that's in the community for his version of the doctor so i'm just surprised very happy <laughs> that he's doing this <laughs> i always thought he left too soon it's a real testament to the fans, you know, that he did that circuit of speaking, you know, that was unprecedented for him. And right. now he's coming back to the doctor. Like, I think it just really says a lot about science fiction fans and Doctor Who fans that he felt enough love to go back to, you know, a character that might have a little bit of pain for him. It is crazy to think that it feels like almost two years ago, he would talk, still talk about how bad his experience was and here we are and he's like yeah alright, why not, let's do it and I think, you know what guys, I think Galley had something to do with it I think this, is, we did this congratulations to us <laughs> yeah, Good job, I totally everybody. agree, yeah. go us <laughs> because when he started doing conventions, it was only in like the UK and then he did his first American convention at Rose City in Oregon and then it was announced that he was doing Gallifrey One this year. So it was like, what's going on? And hearing, you know, attending both the panels at Rose City and Gallifrey One, you could tell he was still enjoying that people were saying, you're my doctor. Every time he said that, I felt what he felt, or I, I would like to think I felt what he felt. And I think uh, that helped his uh, healing, if you will. I think, I think Rose City blew him away. He was in the beginning of, and also we were sitting so close we could see his face. Um, he, he seemed really shocked. And then 
whenever somebody would say that his doctor was their doctor, in the beginning, he would kind of laugh it off. Then I think by the end, and definitely by Gallifrey one, he was like, these people are serious. They're not just saying this. He did make it seem like the big thing was that he wanted the BBC to apologize. And that's why I never thought this would happen because there was gonna be no way the BBC would apologize. How close is Big Finish to the BBC though? Like, does that have anything to do with it that he doesn't have to work with anybody, you know, from before? He doesn't have to work with the BBC, but it is licensed by them. And I think both, I think BBC and Big Finish made the announcement together. Hmm, well, that's good. Yeah, and the other thing I think I would like to think helped him helped him was seeing the line at Gallifrey One for his panel alone. Absolutely. Yeah, that was another reason why I didn't go to <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So yeah, um, I'm looking forward to the Ninth Doctor returning in audio dramas, and hopefully um, we'll get a whole slew of them like we have with the Eighth Doctor. <laughs> yeah, there's four. There's four volumes coming out. And like they normally do, there's three episodes per volume. And it's coming out on a limited release vinyl record. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, has, has Billy Piper done Big Finish Audio? Like, are we going to get more of uh, Rose with the Doctor? Or will it be, do you think, yeah, other she, companions? Yeah, she has had one with uh, David Tennant. I'm listening to those right now. So, John, thanks again for joining us. Uh, would you like to tell our listeners where to find you? Oh, boy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jpthrice. Uh, notlg.com is my podcasting network. Podcastica, my Doctor Who review podcast. We just hit episode 200. It's still weird to say, um, but we're in the middle of reviewing the war games right now. That's pretty much all for me. Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there, or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonewpodcast. And find us on Facebook. Today's episode is episode 8 of season 6, Let's Kill Hitler. In 1938 Berlin, the Doctor has a close brush with death, while River Song, as we know her, is born. This episode is written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Richard Sr. It originally aired on the 27th of August, 2011, and was watched by 6.2 million viewers. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Hi, this is Kelsey. Hello, this is Auburn. Hello, everyone. Hi, this is Heather. Hi, this is Brian. Hi, this is Josh. Rory and Amy careen through a cornfield in their car, carving out a message to summon the doctor. Having seen their crop circle in the newspaper, he appears before them in the TARDIS. He tells them that he has not yet found their daughter, River Song, but promised she'll be fine. Suddenly, a red Corvette, pursued by the police, races through the cornfield to meet them. Amy and Rory's longtime friend Melz pops out and immediately recognizes the TARDIS. With the police sirens growing louder, Melz pulls a gun on the doctor and suggests, what the hell, let's kill Hitler. 
well, this is just a jump right into the story, you know, <laughs> in the car and the crop circles was great. Well, I did like how when they pulled back at the beginning, you could see the whole doctor written out, which was different than the newspaper, you know, which had the line going through doctor. I thought it was, it was very cool opening on a number of levels. At first, you're wondering, what are they doing? Why are they doing it? Why are they surprised he's there? Why is he there? How did he know to be there? Who's that coming? It's just every like 10 seconds, there was a new question. My only annoyance was when you find out that girl's name is Mel or Mel's. It was just like, really? Are we supposed to, <laughs> are we supposed to not pick up on that? Or is it, yes, you're supposed to pick up on it because it's fairly obvious. I remember picking up on it the, on first view too. Yeah, and I, thinking the same thing, Josh, like, yeah. oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't pick up on it the first time watching it. Cause the last time we saw River, where she was a little girl, what, New York in some big city transforming. Yeah. You don't see the end of that, you, but you don't see the end of that regeneration. No. And plus that was 1960s. So before she's Mel's, she's already regenerated at least a couple times or at least one time. Right. No, I think she says she's a toddler in New York. Yeah, because yeah, when, be when she regenerates, she says, I remember the last time this happened, referring to when she was a toddler. So did she not age until she met up with Rory and Amy? Later, she does have a line that implies that she can control her aging. So All she right. might have paused looking for Amy and Rory in order to grow up with them. Because that doesn't make a lot of sense, but just because I just watched it recently, like yeah, right. uh, there's that one line. If, it's at the where, end. Yeah, it's at uh, the end, right. so we can discuss it there. Okay, but. but in this scene, I actually don't like that we're introduced to a longtime friend that we've never seen. I will agree with that this time around. The first time around, I was okay with it, but then this time I was like, oh no, another thing that we're thrown in and supposed to just accept. But very, then, re very retrofitting. Yeah, but I also have to remind myself, like I mentioned last episode, that the universe, the timeline that we have established before was rebooted by the end of season five. The timeline we're living in now with Amy and Rory is a completely new timeline. Like the lone centurion doesn't exist except in their memories, things like that. Mm -hmm. See, a, a reminder of that would have been so helpful. Yes. I don't know why it never picked up on it. It just, maybe I didn't pick up on it because I was just so annoyed that she was all of a sudden always there. there. Yeah. And that was all I could focus on. I just think it's Moffat being Moffat. I was gonna say, this is, I think this is the first time, but not the last, where Moffat just throws in stuff that completely changes things. And you're left in the first act going, wait, what is this? What's happening? Why is this completely different than last week? Yeah. So you think perhaps there was, there may have always been a Mills, theoretically? I think he never, I think he should have been like Russell and seeded it in. Because like, she wasn't even at the wedding. We've no, never heard from her. She doesn't like, even... do weddings. Yeah, they, they explain it in a line, but it's not good enough. It's not, not good, good enough. enough. Oh, I'm just, I'm sitting here as a viewer trying to think what would make me like this scene better? What would make me like Mel's introduction better? And I think I have a problem when exposition is given in lines. Like you mentioned, Eugene. Um, Moffat wrote a line like, I don't do weddings. And she could have been else. drunk and passed out at the wedding. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so oh, if I don't do weddings, I don't do weddings. She was at the wedding. Yeah, it's just we didn't see her because right. she was in the back. Well, yeah, he obviously put that line in because he wanted to refer to it later. See, and to me, I think he's writes. just making it up as he goes along. Yes. I mean, he could have even put a line in 
when you know good man goes to war when she's looking at melody saying you know and saying something about the baby going you know i named you after my best friend yeah just something just a little something before she comes careening up in a red sports car because it's like she's such a strong personality they would have mentioned her in the last two years especially how we get to know more about her this is somebody you would bring up but it's especially funny since she acts so much like river but also like you said in the last you know sort of rebooted universe so that didn't happen before i don't like yeah, the characters living in strange and obscure we can write anything we want because we're in another timeline the way we've been disagreeing with these episodes lately i was like uh oh here i go again something i don't like about revisiting this <laughs> You don't like the reboot? No, no, I don't like the way... To me, the reboot is a, is a well that has gone dry because it always goes back to that. But everything that Moffat is shoehorning in, like Mel's is now their best friend from childhood, their toddlers to when they're... Adult, you know, young adults. And you're like, oh, that's explained because of the reboot. It's cheap. I never, ever even considered the reboot changed things. See, I, 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 my only argument is I feel like I enjoy... The, the the story of it more than I don't like the way it was written. Mm. Right. And I, I like that it's similar to why I like Terminator. It's paradoxical in nature. Like these things happen and they have to happen for you to become who you are. I just feel that Doctor Who shot itself in the foot because they are they have such a long reputation in history of seeding these wonderful things um, yeah. through a series of episodes that when when they don't give you that you just feel like okay well that was rushed someone made yeah. that decision so it's it, I mean it's their own fault for being good <laughs> that we well, notice yeah. so much when they're not good yeah I think this is where the Moffat era starts to become an like all encompassed. I will say, like I said, I watched these last two episodes back to back, and I got, I cried a lot. And to <laughs> me, uh, in all the moments, all the, I got swept up in the emotional moments and all this stuff. And to me, for a television show to, 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 to do that, I'm willing to forgive these things that um, I'm okay, I'm okay with it. But I totally see it, and I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah, because there are things that I guess kind of made me gloss over the things I'm going to bring up now is that we mentioned before Alex Kingston does a great job. So anytime she's there, I want like the first time I'm watching A Good Man Goes to War and Let's Kill Hitler, I want to see her. I want to know more about her because she made such an impact in Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead that I think that sort of novelty overtook any of these these uh, nitpicks i guess so i think that's why i enjoyed them more the first time not knowing how they fit into the bigger puzzle what, what brian was mentioning earlier about the reboot and them being done I, I i was thinking about that and i think i would be thinking what you thought brian except that now i have to kind of in my mind rationalize why things are going to be okay the way they are and why they're written to kind of fit. So then to me, that's kind of a catch-all and that's why it comes up. Yeah, I under I understand that. My catch-all is rolling my eyes going Moffat yeah. because this isn't even the worst example. of. Yes, I know. And that's why I want to bring them up when they come up so that when the worst one happens, you can see that it's a pattern that's been established and not coming out of nowhere. <laughs> like oh, so he was seeding all along. <laughs> The main ones that happened for me now that we know what happened in season five is that Amy now has her mom and dad, which she didn't have before. And then now she has melts. So to me, this is a different timeline because she didn't have those people in her life before. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's true. 
it's sloppy. Even the silence thing, which doesn't really fit with the, with the actual sentence of, of what they're saying, you know, the, the silence will fall, what is it? Uh, but it's like two sentences. Oh, silent, silent. Oh, when the question is asked. Yeah, when the, yeah. So they, it's, it seemed that they even retrofitted what that actually meant. But at least it was yes. posing that question like bad, bad wolf all along. This, this wasn't bad wolf. This was boy who cried wolf. <laughs> oh. But that saying changed. I just realized things, Josh. That saying changed because it was when the Pandora opens, the silence will fall. Yeah, you're right. And now the silence will fall when the question is answered. It keeps yeah. changing. Um, because I don't have a problem with Amy and Rory remembering anything from the previous timeline because they're time travelers. They could explain that in one line, like there's residual Artron energy that allows them to remember. So that's that to me is okay because they're the characters we're invested in. So I want them to remember. I want I want Amy to remember that Rory spent all that time watching her in the Pandora, waiting for her thousands of years. That's cool to me. And that she wants to remember this world and that her parents were there and Mel was there and she didn't grow up alone. Yeah, it, it's funny how I can have, I, like, I want Amy to have her cake and eat it too by remembering both times. But then once it starts to affect the bigger world now, that's where I have a problem with it. And in the plot, like the bigger world being right. like plot and story driven stuff. Okay. And what happened in this scene, Mel's is not a fun person. She's just totally defiant. It's like not free spirit. Not it's just she's trying to make trouble everywhere. She is very unlikable, but then again, so was Amy at that age. So <laughs> they're two peas in a pod, really. Okay. That's true. I forgot about that. See? <laughs> she was also manipulating everything to get her parents together. In order to kill the doctor. Ah. So even when she was on the bed and kind of like cluing in Amy to, to, that Rory likes her, it was less about her, t you know, being silly with her friends than it was like, well, I may, I gotta make, this is now when I'll interject this so I can be born eventually. That's what I think. Yeah, she's playing the long game, That's not like Adam. No, I, I think she knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah. It wasn't planned. She just took the moment. Yeah, but she took it with that initiative, not like, oh, I'm gonna, sh I'm gonna tell my friend that this, that her, that this guy's always had a crush on her. Yeah, it's not like uh, Marty trying to get his parents to go to the dance together in Back to the Future. No, but we're saying it is. No, I'm saying, I'm saying that's there's more to it than just that. Because it's more, it's yeah. more like the Terminator going back to start Skynet so it can murder yeah. John Connor. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly. So it could be more. As, and, right, and how many other time there travel? Well. <laughs> well, Dr. Sam Beckett. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think what, what sums up this episode for me is in this beginning scene that we just talked about minutes and minutes ago, the doctor goes, doctor, not following this, doctor very lost. <laughs> right? What do you mean? The, the doctor is all of us, really. <laughs> Usually it's the companion that kind of brings things down, but. I like Amy's line of like, um, have you found her yet? It's been months. What's her line? like? All uh, it's, been all, it's been all summer like that made me laugh i don't know why well because you think about the doctor having the time travel ability he could be looking for her for years but then come back to her like five minutes from when right. she right left. why yeah. does he do this to people i think that's another reason why I'm more critical about this episode because if that was my kid that was lost and i had this guy that was a superhero essentially i would want him not wait a full summer, you know what I mean? Like, and the only reason he came is because they plowed a crop yeah. circle. Like, I like bec because I don't want to do that. Like, I want the doctor to come back and say, I've gotten this taken care of. Let's go. 
Shockingly, we had a three-month break between episodes, so Moffat goes, the Doctor's been gone for three months. Uh, they're totally unrelated. Totally. I, I think that is part of the problem that like, I've been hearing with this opening, um, is that there is so much communication directly to the audience, right? Like, you have Amy, you know, where have you been all summer? Uh, later, with all of Mel's, like, hints that she's really Melody. There's just a lot more, I think, than we're used to that also kind of like makes it harder for us to accept it narratively like that Mel's is this person that's always been there because right away like there's all these winks and nods right to the audience that this is a show and we're going to do something weird in the show because you know that's what we do well we'll get to it when we talk more about them but yeah that wink to the audience of like hey it's been a summer and now we're back on tv like I think pulls pulls us out in an episode that is really asking us to forget about a lot of the past of the show right away. Mm -hmm. um, this this is the uh, first appearance of the Doctor's green long coat. Yeah. I'm not a fan of it. Not a fan. It doesn't last long either, does it? Yes. I think that's why I'm not a fan, because it doesn't yeah. continue. Yeah. And I love the fact that on the coat rack just inside the TARDIS door is his tweed coat. Hmm. Oh my goodness. And then even just like the, what the hell, let's kill Hitler. It, it it also feels like an answer to like fans' questions being like, if you had a time machine, why would, you know? I just don't like, I think it's a bad title for the episode. I did, I did too. I, did, I didn't like it at the end of A Good Man Goes to War. It's like, let's kill Hitler. It's like, hey, that's not a joke, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, when Mel's pulls out a gun to on the doctor that's a jericho 941 and the only reason i know that gun is because that's spike spiegel's gun from uh cowboy bebop i knew heather would get that <laughs> there <laughs> this is really hard <laughs> continue so that was a that was a nice little uh geek out moment for anime fans like myself in there I actually wanted to ask you, when she's holding the gun at the doctor, her finger's not on the trigger, right? Yeah, so that that is an indication that she has been trained because you don't put your finger on the trigger until you're gonna shoot. Oh. Like when any, any trained, to say military or police person pulls out a gun, they would hold it on the trigger guard rather than the trigger, so it's close to close firing. Enough. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, the thing when doctor, you know, the doctor's holding up the newspaper, really, really, really? And Rory's line is, you never answer your phone, which is the same line that River says to him back in Rome in 102 AD, you know? It's like, you never answered your phone when she's Cleopatra. The Pandora opens, I think. That's when she carved Hello Sweetie on the big mountain, right? Yes. So it's basically the yeah. same thing as the crop circle. Hmm, I didn't get that. So wait, now you're ruining it because you're basically saying they just redid the same, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <It's fine>. <laughs> <laughs> Young Rory, Amy, and Mel's grow up together in Ledworth, the latter endlessly curious about Amy's raggedy man. A chronic troublemaker, Mel's obsession with the doctor follows her into adulthood. Back in the present, the TARDIS spins out of control, landing in 1938 Berlin. A shape-shifting humanoid robot known as the Tesselecta approaches a Nazi officer by the name of Eric Zimmerman. Under the control of a miniaturized team of humans known as the Justice Department, the robot morphs into an exact copy of Zimmerman. It then shrinks him, teleports him into its body, and allows the robot's antibodies to kill him. Using Zimmerman's likeness, the Tesselecta enters Adolf Hitler's private office with the intention of destroying him too, but is interrupted by a crashing TARDIS. 
Wow, there's a lot in this one. <laughs> but I, I just realized this is de it's definitely a newer timeline because Mel has replaced the obsession with the doctor. Because Amy, every time it's brought up, Amy's like, but he was make-believe, but he was make-believe. In the other timeline, uh, everyone was sick and tired of Amy talking about the doctor, but now Mel has replaced that. I didn't notice that. Yeah, she almost seems annoyed. Like, she doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mel just keeps bringing it up. See, I thought, Josh, you were going to say that Mel replaced that tall white guy from um, oh. <laughs> The Girl Who Waited. Or wait, right, right. What was yeah, the 11th first hour? episode? The 11th hour. The 11th hour, yeah. yeah. I almost said that earlier. It's like, if the character had turned out to be that, or if the character had turned out to be her aunt, it's like somebody who we had heard of before. But I also don't like a change in the timeline where it's like, no, no, Amy was always obsessed with the doctor. It's like, it, it's a change that makes, that I don't like. It's like, no, no, Amy was always obsessed with the doctor. It's like when you found out Luke and Leia were brother and sister. Oh, Whoa, spoilers. <laughs> I just think it's kind of like what we mentioned earlier that Amy was unlikable at that age, but now Mel's is unlikable. And it's almost like they sucked all the personality out of Amy and gave it to Mel's. And I mean, it, we don't really get to spend any time with this Amy, so it doesn't matter that, well, we do, but not as a child. Um, but Amy well, also remembered. Am I making, I'm just going to say. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. No, I, I hear what you're saying. But also, too, it's been established that they do remember that parts of their past. So Amy is, Amy basically remembers both in a way. She remembers him being the centurion. So she must remember that other lifetime as well. We mentioned the scene about when Mel, Mel's is uh, ulterior motively, I made that term up, getting her parents together. And, and then that you liked how, or who said that you liked how um, Amy followed Rory out yes. of the room. I don't think OG Amy would have followed him out of the room. No, <laughs> I, I know. I think she would have been like, peace. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I just, the, with Mel's in the picture, Amy's really watered down. Um, but I don't think, I, I, I don't disagree with you guys, as I keep saying. The one we, the grown Amy we see now is a culmination of the two. Okay, I understand. So that's what you meant when you say that she remembers both lives. Yes. I get it. I get it. I think one thing that the the writers have been doing with Amy all season is trying to make her more maternal. Like, not only mm -hmm. did they give her a baby, but, you know, we've had lots of scenes with her, you know, draped in the white linen and all, all of that stuff. Where when we first met Amy, you know, she was the kissogram girl. And yes, mm -hmm. they, they have taken a lot of that spunk um, and put it into Mel's in this particular episode. But I think we've been losing a bit of that, that original Amy energy from um, the beginning. Funny, because we couldn't stand that original Amy energy. And now that it's gone, we're like, <laughs> why is she so boring? What I enjoy about it is there's so much more depth to her and I think of her whole arc but to your point it's all subtext now which which I enjoy because I know the subtext that like when she when she has a dramatic pause I think of the weight of everything that she's been through I don't think like why isn't Amy talking but it, it isn't on the page necessarily so it, it, it's a different person someone with a lot more subtext and weight underneath everything I do enjoy looking at her arc zoomed out yeah I liked the effects that they used for the robot to transform into someone else. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I like that too. Oh, it was like it was like cubes, right? Yeah. Little that was neat. I mean, it was sort of like a, a low budget solution to making something still look high budget. It was reminiscent of uh, Mystique in X Men. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Just on a second watch, like 
there's there's a lot of Easter eggs that I think Mel's plants that she is River Song. Besides the obvious of her name, uh, I caught. Uh, I think it was when they were more teenagers, or maybe in the bedroom scene when Amy goes to chase Rory. Uh, Mel says something like "cut to the song," like referring to music. But yeah, that might be. Like- yeah, like it's hanging in the air, and then the, penny, when it happens, the penny's in the air, and then the penny yeah. drops. That's just a British expression. No, but she actually says the words "cut to the song," like, and I I noticed it because her she's gonna be coming river song. Oh, cut to the song! Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and that might be giving more credit than credit is due. But. I just thought she meant like cut to the love song. Yeah, I think that well, is yeah. yeah. But it's what there's she a meant. double entendre that I didn't even get. It's a, it's so. a, it's it's a meta. And then also how Amy fights Rory. No, you're gay. No, you're gay. No, really, you're gay. <laughs> and he's just like, no, no. I liked that. Where it's like Amy is just, I mean, and she's saying it kind of like, this is now an argument and my side of the argument is right. I love that. I just thought that was very funny. And maybe, like, maybe she convinced herself that, maybe she convinced herself that so much that she never, obviously never thought of him as a possible boyfriend before. Right. Yeah, because you see in the flashbacks, he's just like an observer to Amy and Mel's life because, are we still playing hide and seek? I've been hiding for like two hours or three hours. And they're like, no, we just haven't found you. Okay. And he goes back and hides. <laughs> He's such a little puppy. Yeah. It's so funny. And then when they're in the schoolyard, it looks like he's playing Marco Polo outside of the pool. And they're like, <laughs> they just walk by him while he keeps playing. <laughs> I didn't catch that was Marco Polo. I was trying to figure, I just figured it out it was some game they're playing with him to make him keep him busy. Blind Man's Bluff, I think. Blind Man's Bluff, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just looked, you know, that's what I- But it is Marco Polo. Yeah. On land. I did like that when she realized what was going on with between her between Rory and her, she wasn't put off by it. She chased after him. I I, I like that. Yeah. So I want to ask a question about the Tesselecta. They have not yet told us in this episode why there are certain times that the Tesselecta will come to somebody. They also haven't told us what they do. But what I want to know is, without even giving away that, is they why is the Tesselecta going after Hitler if they're aware that it's not yeah. time yet? That's what I was bringing up. Yeah, well, here's the thing. They weren't aware until that guy happened to notice. And my question is, like, if your whole job is to go to these <laughs> times and and at the very last minute you you got the wrong address like it, that was that to me is bigger than the whole mel shoehorning that in and stuff like that like, i'm actually happy to hear you say that because i thought yeah. as usual it was something that i totally didn't no, know it's bas- it's ba- it's it's basically i can't even fathom a reason for it besides like if they're professionals they have a robot like it's they didn't if they seem like bumbling fools then i could see like oh they didn't even get the date right no wonder you know but uh, or at least make come up with a reason yeah even that's a one of those things you can the, use the teleselecta the teleselecta always sends them where they need to <laughs> that's right no, no no even if they had to fonzie the controls and like you know oh no we're at the wrong time you know who and the date what? changes yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> something because everything else that they do is spot on it's right. like, why don't they get this, the like the most important thing right? When the robot takes shape of uh, Zimmerman, oh, we're, we're too short. Okay, let's adjust. It's like yeah. things like that they can, yeah. they can pin down, but they can't pin down the most important thing. Right, but they always bugged me. If they didn't even call attention to it, I'm not a Hitler historian, 
Hitler's Dorian. Uh, but um, I wouldn't have even thought about it. Like, I, I mean, I know the bunker and this, that, and the other. So I know that something much more dramatic was happening in those moments, but wouldn't have even crossed my mind. But they actually brought attention to it. Yeah. And they didn't need to. You know, they could have just had the TARDIS come in right then. Yeah, it could even it could have even had the explanation of we aren't worrying about locked places in time. We just need the criminals. I took it as they are bounty hunters. They're not actually official people. See, when I first watched this, I wanted Moffat to connect this to Captain Jack, like um, the time, time agents. The time agents, like mm -hmm. these these are what Captain Jack's people were right. supposed to be doing instead of Captain Jack kind of going rogue and selling off. Um, artifacts in the past yeah and it so, wouldn't have taken much if you thought that on your couch <laughs> in a moment how, how does a writing crew you know a uh, uh, writer's room not come up with even that notion it, unless they did and dismissed it but like it seems an obvious I know, thing I agree with you it should have been it's like no we don't need this why are we doing that what was the reason for putting it in in the first place we, we somehow got rid of that reason you know two drafts ago well they do kind of sort of not really in a good way hint that these people aren't necessarily perfect all the time because when they're recreating the guy the woman has to run up to the eye and look out the window and get the skin tones yeah. just to make sure that the skin tones you know are going right yeah, and her thing wasn't quite working. I think I think those were hints at, at what we're talking about, but they weren't good enough. I mean, mm. when the robot transformed, it was pretty cool, but he could have had the glasses on. They only wanted that one so they could do the shot of taking the glasses off. I really like that, though. It's like, I okay, it I'll give you that one. I did like it, too. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, you didn't need that, but it was like, okay, that was a nice little added bit. Yeah, that reminded me of stuff like Terminator, where the Terminator 2, where the T-1000 takes the shape oh, of know, somebody I bet else. you that's, I would, that's gotta be a direct. Because that's what happens when Arnold gets the um, the, the biker outfit and he's yeah. missing the glasses, so he gets it from the, <laughs> the guy. Um, you, you know, considering this is a time travel show, I've never heard this many Terminator <laughs> You haven't been on our other episodes. <laughs> huh, I've missed them. They have a killer robot. I guess when I'm here, I'll just throw out all the Terminator references. And today you forgot. Well, this scene also has my my favorite line in the whole episode. Um, when the Tesselecta people say, okay, we're in trouble, we're in trouble, cover, we need to cover ourselves. Okay, faint. And they faint over and they're like, what happened? And everybody outside's like, what happened? What happened? And Rory's like, I think he fainted. And the doctor says, knowingly, yes, that was a faint. Uh -huh. Aha! Yeah. And that's like my, that's my like, favorite thing if you rewind it and watch it he totally is yes that was a ploy it's just because yeah, he also it. says he says it was a faint a perfect faint yeah, yeah. it's just right. yeah i also enjoy how the crew inside the tesselecta goes let's go into observation mode so that's their observation mode because <laughs> they can just listen to what's going on around them i'm like that's kind of clever i want a more explanation of the antibodies I mean, you bring those other people on board, but you say that you don't just kill the people you bring, you bring them to hell, but then you kill all the people you take in. Yeah, so why everybody would, who gets why in is most likely gonna die. <laughs> if they had to get into different people, I'm wondering who else do they take in and there's supposed to be somebody there to, I guess they are just a hit squad. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. But they're a hit squad that hits dogs. people that was all that were already pretty much gonna be hit anyway, so. 
Back to the antibodies though, I those are fun creatures. I thought the whole interior of the Tesselecto was pretty cool. Yeah. I know like at the eyeball, they had like the eye set on one side and then it looked like all the ha- hallways that people were walking in was was really neat. Even the bridge was was cool. It was it looked like a good battle bridge. Yeah. yeah. The the part with the eye it re- really reminded me of um Inner Space, if anybody remembers that movie, <laughs> where Dennis Quaid gets miniaturized into Martin Short and then has to like plug into his eyes to see yeah. what he's seeing. <laughs> yeah. That's what that reminded me of. That's just well done. Back to when they're in the TARDIS and Melge shoots the TARDIS. It's funny how it's it's whatever the story needs to happen. Like sometimes you can't shoot a weapon or discharge a weapon inside the TARDIS, but then you have things like where Captain Jack kills a Dalek inside the TARDIS. And it's another thing I just noticed. Hmm. Hmm. After accidentally saving Hitler's life, the Fuhrer becomes fascinated by the TARDIS. The Tesselecta rises and attempts to shoot him. But Rory saves Hitler again by punching him in the face and stuffing him in a cupboard. Caught in the crossfire, Mills was shot in the stomach, much to the dismay of her friends and the doctor. The doctor begs her to live, even promising to marry her if she does. With her dying breaths, Mel's reveals that she is actually Amy and Rory's long-lost daughter, Melody Pond. Melody, who will one day become Riversong, regenerates into her familiar form, though her appearance is brand new to her. Again, penny in the air, penny drops. <laughs> I love the whole reveal and then the line of, you know, when she, he says, you name your daughter after your daughter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really, I, I love the, I love this storyline. I think it's so uh, interesting. And this is a fun episode because of that. They put a lot of comedy feeling into it. It's fun to watch. We certainly can't talk about humor without mentioning Rory punching Hitler in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of great Rory moments in these last two episodes. Ah, oh, Rory, he's great. Back to guns. <laughs> Hitler pulls out a Colt U.S police pistol. I'm like, that should have been a Luger or a Walter P-38, because that's what the Germans were issued during this time. But the reason they did a revolver is for the doctor to outsmart River later. So I get why they put it in there, but it felt off. Would there there have been one in the chamber? Is that what the idea is? Yeah. Which she does later. (laughs) But she does that later. So they could have just done that and whatever. But And I get why they did that, but it was just odd that it was a U.S. pistol rather than a foreign pistol. Yeah. So we get the rejuvenation or regeneration of Mel's into River. And I feel like this might have been a better like season or mid-season ender. Like here, I, I, I do like the story. I'm going to say that like up front. But this regeneration happens so quick in this episode. I don't know. It just feels like it, it had a lot of potential to be something big. It's a it's a big deal, you know. We have the the birth of River Song, and we just came off of a two episodes about the doppelgangers, like the flesh. Yeah. Where I I and I understand like some of this might have been prepared before going into that mid season break, and maybe like some writing happened over the summer or some like things settled over the summer. But this this is my critique of this of this mid-season of of this sixth season of the new doctor who is that we spent all that time in the castle with the gangers the flesh and i get it but like i wish some of those parts would have spent some more time on river and mel's and like had that story take more time the more river the better really Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, very true. It's good to get rid of Hitler. You know, yes. like, yeah, yeah. like we put him well, somewhere. Yeah. We know yeah. that he's doing something, but that's... it was weird seeing River Song not act acting like River Song. But also, it was like I felt like the performance was still more connected to Mel. Like I'm like, oh, this is River Song acting like Mel's. I rationalize it that she still has that programming that she's a weapon, so that yeah. didn't change. She's been brainwashed. Plus, you know, they always, they say whenever you first regenerate, they're always kind of, you know, a bit of a wackadoo for a little. That's true. She's just a device in this. Like she did, she never was a person to us. She, she didn't even, she, we didn't even get 40 minutes of her. Because that wasn't what her job was. Her job was to kill the doctor. And everything she was doing, that was, and I wish we would have gotten more of that, you know, her programming. If this was a two-parter, the first part might have been Amy and Rory with Mel's and maybe the doctor you know, doesn't show up till three quarters of the way through. And then we end with Mel's regenerating. Oh my goodness, it's River, but it's not River. And she's about to kill the doctor. Or even yeah. a longer adventure where Mel's is a companion. Or or even more of like her her obsession This within this new timeline to see her like, she's the one who's had the obsession with the doctor. I, gotta, I have to find this doctor that you talk about. He's He must be amazing, he must be amazing. Oh my God, we finally meet the doctor. Only to find out the reason she was so obsessed with him is so she could track him down and kill him. Mm -hmm. And I like that twist, but I feel like by the time that twist happens, I've forgotten that Mel's was obsessed with the doctor. There's too much focus on um, her being a badass rather than what you were talking about. You wouldn't have forgotten if we'd known her for longer than five minutes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's true. I do love Alex Kingston's regeneration and, you know, discovering her teeth and mm -hmm. her hair and all yeah. of that. It's like, yeah, she's great. She would have been such a great doctor. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wouldn't ever want to undo her as River, but she would have been a great doctor. Yes. In a sense, she kind of is. She has to work. She has to work to get to her title. <laughs> we'll find out later. <laughs> um, the first time I watched this, I really, I really did enjoy the look on Amy and Rory's face, and them realizing that the daughter that they had been looking for for, I guess, three months is the person that they grew up with, so that she was always in their life. But I can't stop feeling that it was just such a placation to us as viewers, because they took Melody away from her mother in the last episode. You know, so it's like they had it somehow, and I think over the summer, they kind of had to somehow get us to that it wasn't so awful of a thing that they just did. They needed to go, okay, now you did grow up with her, even though you weren't as parents, you did kind of parent her and all the mistakes that she made. Because they didn't know her, they didn't know her growing up at all. So to have that knowledge was better, even if it brings all the other complications of, oh my gosh, she knows everything about me. She's not, you know, she doesn't see me as a mother yet, to kind of think, because we grew up just as friends. After a thorough examination of her new body, Melody, who is not yet the river her companions know, but rather the version that has been trained from birth to murder the doctor, tries repeatedly to kill him. Fortunately, he is always one step ahead of her, until she steals a kiss, poisoning him with her lipstick. She escapes through the window, disappearing into Berlin. Rory and Amy hijack a Nazi motorcycle and chase after her, the Teleselecta robot following close behind. The humans within it are time travelers who are familiar with the doctor. They are alarmed that he appears to be dying in 1938 Berlin when his death in Utah is a fixed point in time. I, okay, so this is one thing I do like about this episode is that once the crew of the Tesselecta starts to scan, because you know, they're in their observation mode by fainting, they go, we've got a match while scanning the TARDIS and it brings up that and it's a type 40 and it's like, that's always what it's been called. So that's a cool nod to classic who, but then it goes, 
the, the, the guy on the console says, we're trying to bag war criminals. We've got the biggest one right under our noses. And it's like, is this the doctor? Because the silence yeah. is after the doctor. But then it goes back and says, no, it's, it's actually River or Melody, Melody Pond. But they did one thing between that. They said it's her, and then they cut to Amy. You know, so first they're thinking, what did Amy do? <laughs> yeah, so that was that was one thing that I think would have made the silence stuff that we saw in A Good Man Goes to War better for me, if that that was something maybe just talked about more. Because it's a, it's good writing, because it's, mis, it's misdirect in the good ways. Oh, I loved it. I, 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 I Yeah, it was, I'm saying I like it. Yeah. They did a lot in this scene that I thought, you know, brought back memories of past episodes where the doctor and River are uh, having that whole fun conversation back and forth. And she goes, hello, Benjamin, which is a nod to the graduate, which they oh. did in the 11th hour. <laughs> no, not the 11th hour, the uh, impossible astronaut, where he says her code name is Mrs. Robinson. Right. Graduate. I hate you. I, <laughs> so totally, I love that little banter. I totally miss that. I'm glad you explained that because I was like, I don't get it. It's even no, the way she lifts up her leg. Yeah. similar to uh, the movie. I totally missed that. I'm, I'm disappointed. In oh, but she did the leg thing too? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I gotta go back now. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to deduce, seduce me. Kind of. <laughs> trying to, I love to deduce me. <laughs> For those who, who haven't seen The Graduate, uh, Dustin Hoffman plays Benjamin and Mrs. Robinson is Anne Bancroft. She put, he's having an affair with his girlfriend's mother. It's a May, it's a, you know, December, May romance or May, December right. romance, if you want to call it that. So that's why R the joke is that River is the older woman to the younger man. So when she said, hello, Benjamin, that's a direct line from uh, the, from the poster the of The Graduate. Yeah. Right. Technically, yeah. the yeah. doctor is like 900. Right. <laughs> I really like the whole scene where she's trying to kill him and he's one-upping her every time. Yeah. That's it's one that of my is. favorite tropes, which I do not have a negative connotation with that word personally. Um, I don't one either. Of my one of my favorite tropes is, you know, lovers who are trying to kill each other. <laughs> um, I, I love that. And it was done super well in this. The, the, their comedic timing is really great. I agree with you. It was almost like watching a play. It was done really well. And the way that they used the visuals of cutting back to see everything reminded me of the 11th hour when he was watching. And then Rory's filming the other guy with the dog rather than watching what's going on with the sky. So that kind of how the doctor. And it works better here. Personally, in the 11th hour, I, I never liked it from the beginning. Yeah. But in here, in uh, Let's Kill Hitler, it. It works because it's it's serving a purpose to show you what's going on behind the scenes. Like we're we're rewinding because how did the doctor do this? Now, Eugene, the other not the revolver, but the other gun, would the doctor have had to unload like a bullet from the chamber or Yes, that is correct. And it, it would have felt lighter because there's no bullets yeah. in the clip, so she would have felt that. But she also would have again, known it was a banana. I mean, it's, it's, I, it, 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 yeah. sells, it sells well for the for the bit. Yeah, so it, I, I get that they didn't do that for the comedy of it. And it, again, it's a reference to like uh, Captain Jack when he did yeah. it in The Doctor Dances or uh, Empty Child. Also, there was another flashback to me to the Christmas invasion when the doctor grows his hand. It's like he still has regeneration energy, you know, after regenerating. And then River is with all these soldiers and she just blasts them with the energy. So that was a nice little bit. Yeah, that was one of those things where if if it hadn't, if we hadn't seen that happen in the past, I would have been like, oh, she has magical regeneration power. Right. But because we know of that to be a thing. I was like, oh yeah, how handy. <laughs> the capper on everything being River's go-to weapon, the 
the lipstick. Lipstick. You know, and we at least I always forget about it. Well, or until she said this time, like I've already like got you. When he's like, "What about me?" Because he tell she tells Amy and Rory to like I forget what she says exactly, but it's be safe or have a good life, whatever, or see you parents. And the doctor says, "Well, what about me?" And she's she says something to the effect of, "Well, I've already killed you, or I've already got you." And yes, that lipstick that gets her gets her men every time. So does that mean that Mel has walked around for years with a poisoned lipstick? Well, I remember she left. Years. She went to change. She left twice to go to the bathroom. And, to look and Hitler she had poison lipstick in his bathroom? Well, she had the gun. She had it on her. She had it on her. Well, it's just yeah. one of her things she has. But yeah, she, wait to okay. see what else the is answer, Brian, is yes. Yeah. A lady yes. always carries her lipstick. <laughs> There's a weird poison, too. Like, they mention it later. I'm not sure if it's, uh, it's extraterrestrial. It's from the Judas tree. Is that an extraterrestrial tree, or is that? The Judas tree. Betrayer tree. It's a Bible thing. But it was done much better than Batman <laughs> and Robin and <laughs> get smart with their wax lips. <laughs> well, I was I was looking up the poison. What they did point out was with the Judas tree. And you know how we're like, oh, that's the betrayer of Jesus. Uh, it does point out, though, that Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And I thought that was even more clever than just naming it Judas. Yeah. Was it also here, I think it's during her gloating to the doctor that she says, maybe I'll get younger as I go to confuse people yeah. to account like for, that yeah, that is good. Like yeah. that kind of wink and nod to the audience, I, I do enjoy because it's something that's been established. And so it's it's like saying, yes, I know that we've shot our, our me being older earlier than it is now, but yeah. No, I, I like those. Then we get a great funny moment when um, Amy and Rory try to give chase. And then I like how Rory is smart here. There's two things that I like about this, because when the Tesselecta, you don't know it's a Tesselecta, comes out as a German Nazi in a motorbike uh, uniform, Rory outsmarts him by trying to give him the hail sign to then punch him again like he did Hitler. <laughs> and then once Amy and Rory are on the bike, Amy says, can you ride a motorbike? Rory says, I expect so. It's that sort of day. I'm like, this This is fine by me. Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this goes with the tone of the episode where that technical stuff, if I feel like it belongs in a different episode, tonally. Which which technical stuff? The the stuff we were talking about, why the Tesselecta crew isn't at the right time. Oh, yeah. Like that type of stuff. They haven't earned that lapse in thinking yet in the episode. Like by the time Rory gets on that bike, we've already had a bunch of stuff going on. Yeah, he can ride a motorcycle. Whereas <laughs> right up in the beginning, we're, we're kind of hit in the face with these discrepancies. Do you think it would be better if this was like clearly... Uh, we were talking about how they're comparing them to bounty hunters earlier. I think it would make more sense if they were just a bunch of random people who formed together on this crusade to do this and they were all like <laughs> like a pirate crew like you know just a yeah that's kind of I mean, what i was thinking as far as bounty hunters like they're not official people they're just but well, because I, they have uniforms and then the name it makes it, yeah it makes them like they're official they're trained but like going off of what you said heather maybe if it was like a suicide squad where they were given they had to track down this criminal to yeah. reduce their sentences yeah so that's a why they're a ragtag band of misfits yep. you know yeah. If you can find them. <laughs> an idea. They should have had a campier name rather than Justice Department. They should have been like the Justice League. You know, obviously that's taken, but you get it. Yeah, they did, they and, did say Justice Department. And then, you know, they were wearing the same uniforms, right? They were. Yeah, that's what so, the future's like. I feel like, but you're right. They weren't as 
like militaristic. It's almost like the costume. It's almost like someone dropped the ball, but everyone else got it right. I don't know. They're the Justice Department vehicle number 6018. So these people are carrying out like people who are guilty that they don't believe were uh, brought to justice properly. They go out and get them. So they're not they're not renegades. This is condoned by the state. I, I imagine that there are several Tesselectas because this one well, has a number. at least 600 and, or 6,000. who is the state? Who is the state? Like the I don't world, know because it doesn't say what... Earth, in some future time? We don't Probably. know. I, and I think that's what's the problem with this. And, and they don't say what time they're from. So they could be from 60th century. And they are all human, like looking. Like, you know, sometimes right. Doctor Who makes an effort to show different races. I mean, there's already a lot of production going into this, so it's much easier to make them all human. Isn't it a little strange that they can't control, or they can control the antibodies, but like barely? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you have a, a different killing mechanism that didn't come after you if your bracelet malfunctioned, you know? It is a weird defense mechanism for a device that you have to shrink to get into. Like, yeah. there's not a lot of people breaking in to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> why couldn't they just teleport the antibodies out and then get a different weapon? I, I kind of take the antibodies as every, you know, that is the, the weapon of choice that the department has installed in all of the rope Tesla like this. And this crew just happened to be kind of a crappy crew. <laughs> Maybe right. they got an older model. Doesn't work very well. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, I know we mentioned this before, but I think if they had different unit, like if they had maybe more ragtaggity type of uniforms, like somebody didn't have the proper pants or somebody didn't have the proper jacket, it would have been like, oh, these guys are like yeah. surviving on, you know, duct tape. This tone that they're going for, it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, back to the discussion of their purpose in law enforcement, I think it was the captain that says time travel comes with responsibility. So that lends more to the idea, I think, of a state like running them because there is this idea of like they're doing it for a higher purpose, not for their own profit. And then the only other thing with the whole test selecta comes later is like if they can just beam them all out, why aren't they just beaming these like war criminals to the torture chamber but that's overthinking it that's what we do on this podcast <laughs> in the tardis the doctor is slowly dying he calls for the voice interface to evaluate his health after a few misfires it eventually manifests in the form of young amelia pond she tells him that he has 32 minutes to live and his regeneration is disabled after some pleading the interface also tells him that fish fingers and custard will slow down the effects of the poison. Meanwhile, Melody is inside joyously shopping at a hotel, aka trying on all the clothes she made German aristocrats strip off at gunpoint. Amy and Rory pull up to the hotel just as everyone runs out in their undergarments. The Tesselecta pulls up beside them a moment later, its body now an exact copy of Amy. Amy and Rory are suddenly miniaturized and transported into the robot. They are nearly obliterated by the antibodies when Jim, one of the Tesselecta's human controllers, appears and gives them staff bracelets appeasing the antibodies. Looking like Amy, the Tesselecta enters the hotel and approaches River. It nearly kills her when the doctor arrives in the nick of time, wearing top hat and tails and carrying a sonic cane. I want a sonic cane. I feel like that would be cool. I don't think that the voice interface told him fish and fingers, because if you watch, he actually shuts his eyes and seems to pass out. I think that was something that came from his own head. 
But doesn't she say it out loud? You don't well, see it, her say it. You're, it is, we're, it is we're, the voice, correct. It's her voice. But, but I can I see what Josh the, is saying. I think it's the doctor. You know, it's, it's all his subconscious kind his subconscious and his feelings for Amy and their memories together, basically like not letting him rest. I think a lot of people would have that same idea or different ideas like ours going, this is a point that I need to discuss. I need to find out yeah. what that meant to people. I think it's, I think it's meant to be ambiguous because when they cut back to her, she does seem to have a small smile. I think there is some subtext there that uh, it's it's him, kind of like when you nod off in class and you think you had just heard something that you, you actually didn't. But also yeah. it's like he did feel a lot better and after changing the talks right. that he was able to walk around, it was like, well, maybe he ate some. <laughs> you know, it gives you that whole feeling of, you know, Heather's interpretation could be the right one or just we're all different in a way to interpretate it rather than giving him the resolve to go on. It's just his own idea of this is my friend and all the things I've done for her. She needs my help. And, and I do like all the references to our previous companions. Uh, yeah. Rose, Martha, Donna. I don't know about you guys, but those totally looked like promo foot photographs. Yes. Oh, for yes. sure. Yeah. I like the beginning of that, though, where he, he turns on the interface and it's him. And he immediately says, no, show me someone I like. And I thought that was a very interesting line. The TARDIS gives you three people that make you feel so guilty for what Yes. And that I kind of have a problem with now. I'm like, I don't like to feel that the doctor feels guilty for those companions. It kind of puts it in a different light for me. Because I think what he says is someone he hasn't screwed up yet. Right. Yeah. And I and I don't like that. That knowing the doctor now is sort of a bad thing. So it's like, why does he feel so guilty here? It's like they are all still alive and okay in their own way. It's, it's tragic, but they've moved on from it. I think it's a bit of fan service. So, yeah. Yeah. Just bringing yeah, the yeah. other people totally. back. It's just the writing more than but the characters. Also, you he's, also he's he's thinking different because he only has 32 minutes to live. So you know, it's his flashback. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is he, he? I was. That's what I was gonna say. Is he's dying. So he maybe he's just freaking out. I read on the BBC America site that 32 minutes was the time of an impossible astronaut, the invitation to meet them at 4.30 and his death is at 5.02, 32 minutes. 32 minutes. By the end though, I wanted her to go 31 minutes. No, I kept waiting for that. I kept waiting for that. But another thing I do like about this scene is the music that's playing the track, the madman with a box. And I just like this, this particular track and that's used very well in this scene. I like that they put Canon and D, Paco Bell's Canon and D in the, uh, the restaurant. restaurant. Yeah. And I was like, that's a nice piece. <laughs> I was like, oh, good. Another great line is when River comes in and says, I'm shopping because I'm going to a gay gypsy bar mitzvah for the disabled. I love <laughs> that line. <laughs> I love that line. But this is when we find out that the silence is a religious order. Yeah. We probably oh, always is, thought that is, was a species. The, yeah, which makes me, I again, I, I why are they a specific alien? So why aren't they? If it's if it's if it's a religious order, there should be more than one, you know, species. So I'm curious about that. No other yeah. species on our planet is a Buddhist, other than humans. So <laughs> stop it. That's a good point. You don't see squirrels walking around. Mom's changing is his yes. people again. He's changing he his totally old is. characters and races into, oh no, we're changing this now to be a religious thing. Right, 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 right. And the Pandorica was not. Maybe that was Silence Will Fall <laughs> when the Pandorica opens, but now in this other reality or whatever, they changed it to more of a religious order. I don't know. I don't know. The whole race is just brought up in this religion. Don't we also get here rule 408, time is not the boss of you? There's a lot of rules. Right. A lot of rules, 27. Ain't well, ain't Very Ferengi rules of acquisition. And are these the same, like, uh, are they 
I know rule one is the doctor lies. That's been called back before. Do are, are the other rules from previous River? I don't think so. And the rule one has changed because oh. when Moffat wrote Girl in the Fireplace, rule one was don't wander off. And then now rule one has been changed to the doctor lies. <laughs> <laughs> Another callback that Brian didn't get when we watched it was they shrink down to fit inside the robot. <laughs> And I love this. They use so the doctor with his cane is figuring out are you you know is it bigger on the inside type of thing. He goes no, it's a compression field. And he's like, well, um, just watch, watch what you eat, because <laughs> I was going back to the Savine who use a compression field to go into the human bodies. Oh wow! Are, are passing gas all the time and partying. <laughs> that joke. So I was like, oh, it's a compression field. Ooh, watch what you eat. <laughs> so, you know, not until this moment, but shrinking everyone down makes me think of the the classic master business. Yeah, me yeah. too. I'm so glad it was not that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but their technology is different because it doesn't kill you when it shrinks you down. Not yet. Yeah. True. <laughs> but it was so one like, way it's different than the master. Um, I also want to know, beyond the line of the regeneration's been turned off, um, why can't the doctor regenerate? The line. That's the it. line. Yeah. It's <laughs> just the line. You need him to die. I took it as the poison has that effect. Yeah, because wouldn't the interface say regeneration is not an option rather than regeneration is disabled? Yeah. At the lake, he started regenerating and it was only the second shot that ended it. Right. Yes. Right. He's, he was killed in the middle of regenerating. This, they just made one line. And that, you know, it was like, okay, again, the writing is convenient. What Which is what we need to happen. Sorry, what turned is, off the regeneration? Uh, that's what the question is. The script. Oh. <laughs> I, I totally take that as poison. Directly designed to kill the doctor. Yeah, I mean, she'd been trained oh, her whole life. Oh, directly designed. Probably, yeah. yeah. From the Judas tree. Got it. That works. <laughs> that Boom, kills Gallifreyans. No regeneration. Well, when they target it, does it? Ooh. There are certain things that don't gel, like the Tesselecta crew getting Mel's just introduced. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with you. I just wish that there were, because there, there are certain things that I like about this episode. I wish maybe they had a different episode to explore them in. I will say working in television, you know, for as long as I have, I'm constantly seeing so much stuff goes on cutting room floors that you think would be like, you cannot cut that. Um, I recently was working on an episode, we had to cut two minutes out of our show. And and, uh, and um, the, the showrunner really wanted to keep a sequence and we were all just like, we gotta cut that. He's like, okay, we can cut it if we can't figure out what to do after, you know, during this meeting. So, and during the meeting, we just kind of kept slicing little bits here and there. And we ended up keeping that whole sequence. So what you think you, you can't possibly cut, you end up cutting and, you know, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the stuff we're talking about was either script that was that was cut um, or, or production, you know, footage that was cut and they just, they can't reshoot and, you and know, things and, like that. Yeah. And I think I'm coming from it, like Moffat, uh, every time he's in interviews, he says he has the answer, he has the big picture in mind. I, I wish that he wasn't backtracking on certain things. And I think if he had his idea fully fleshed out, he could execute it a little better. I think you're, I think, I think it's a combination of both. I think it's a combination yeah. of what I'm saying. I, th I think they probably had everything okay and they had to cut stuff out, but because he's so, what works for me, Yeah. it's there. I, I made yeah. a sentence. Because I, I agree with what you're saying, because that's even what I do for the podcast when we, when I edit it, I'm like, uh, how do I get this to, to down to an hour, right, you know? Right. I wouldn't be surprised if a whole scene had to be cut and now they have to do a quick rewrite on, on set 
or, or a reshoot and he writes a sentence that we're talking yep. about it should have been more than just a sentence yeah totally um, and i think i think that's what i'm that's where i'm coming from but i do think to, to your point it happens too often and he should learn from that mistake yes and that, that's and, what i was going to say there's kind a of pattern ends, yeah, yeah 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 it's now us looking at it these episodes under a microscope so we can see these things now mm -hmm. where like i mentioned before a lot of these things didn't bother me when i first watched them like the viewing experience it, we also have to remember and i think eugene you've mentioned this before is today in 2020 we're used to so much media being um built to consume and binge whereas this was still real-time television so you only had the chance to watch it once so a lot of those things you know you you do so much action and activity with the audience and those things go by and you don't question it again because the show is still moving. Yeah. So you're going to the end and you watch the credits and you're like, wow, that was really satisfying. Yes. I feel jazzed. But, uh, you know, today as I'm watching it, I watch it and we do watch it more critically, but we also have the ability right away to rewatch something or to even, you know, what did he say? You pause it, go back, look at the subtitles where I think in 2011, while some people had TiVos and things, the the most normal viewing experience would have been watching it live, and then it's gone until you, you see it syndicated or reruns or... Or DVDs. Or DVDs, yeah. So there is also a lot of that too, Josh, I think, where, you know, you cut down something for time, and if it, if it plays well, and you watch it, and you're like, okay, yeah, sure, I didn't miss that. On a first viewing, it's like, get it to air. But now that we have the options to rewatch, and we can see where, oh, looks like there was some duct tape here that I might not have noticed the first time, but now that I rewatch it, I see where some yeah. of those looser seams are. Yeah, it's like, don't tear down that poster. It's a load-bearing poster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I want to bring up when I first watched this is that once this doctor that we see in this episode is dying, I thought that this was going to somehow connect to Lake Silencio. Like yeah, he me switches, too. Like, yeah, like he switches places with that doctor so that he's going to die anyway. So he might as well use his death to, for some sort of good. Mm. But um, I think that is just something that I always want an answer to while watching this because that's how the season opens. Mm -hmm. So every opportunity I mentioned in um, The Rebel Flesh, like when he's looking in the mirror, I thought that was something like they were going to switch with his ganger. Like I'm always looking for that. I remember I remember looking for these things through the season that I don't think ever happened. <laughs> Well, maybe they knew you were going to be looking, so they were faking you out. They're like, uh-uh, you can't solve the mystery that easy, sir. <laughs> it, it feels like we never get a satisfying resolution to that. That's well, not like Moffat at all. No. <laughs> I, you know, for me, I think this is the episode where things were at least, they haven't gone off the rails, but the train is definitely starting to get out of control. <clears throat> well, I think like you've been mentioned already, when you start changing big prophetic lines like when the pandorica opens silence will fall no now we're gonna say you know when the question is asked silence will fall like you don't have to stick to those things you could have made a whole new big bad after you kind of put a pin in the silence like yeah yeah well it's like what they do with the angels yes that just was like that's finding out your mother's not your mother it's so weird i don't know i i i I want to hear from someone who like liked what Moffat did to the angels or really likes this added storyline of rivers because well, I like me, this added storyline of rivers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but then I don't like the need to like change them. 
Like, does that make sense? Like, yeah. you know. Well, I really like this river story. I don't think it takes away anything that I already love. I find it to be an addition. Oh, I, yeah. I know a lot of people started to lose interest in the, or st stopped liking the river story. I never did. I loved it all the way. You mean you, yeah. Thank you for clarifying because it sounded like yeah. you said you never did. Like I wanted it. to say you never oh, stopped never liking yeah, it. Yeah, I never changed. I never stopped liking it. Good. We're just real quick, some little tech thing. And Auburn, I know you like stuff like this. When the German soldier, the bottom half of him turns into a bike, how they conveniently, you know, yes. had it off camera. But <laughs> it totally works, you know? You don't need to show a bunch of fancy stuff. And uh, that actor did a great job. I, I like him there. And then I like, I think Karen Gillum did a really fun job when she comes in on the motorcycle yeah. and does her robotic head turn. It's a little precursor <laughs> to her uh, role as Nebula. Yeah. No, yeah. I did see a lot of totally. that in there. <laughs> Auburn, I keep thinking you're like waving a newspaper around. I, I keep thinking that too. <laughs> what do you want me to read? <laughs> like what? What? Yeah, but I had the video in my thing a few weeks back. I kept thinking somebody was behind me. Yeah. Into a door. <laughs> well, none. Nobody's mentioned the outfit that the doctor comes out in with only 32 minutes left to live. <laughs> does I mean? Uh, does that have any? like connections to previous doctors, tails and top hats, or was it just a fun outfit for this doctor? 1938. The wedding. Yeah, the only thing I can think of in connection with this, he did that in um, the end of time when he's, when the 10th doctor is regenerating and he's dying. He changes his wardrobe because it's not the tattered suit anymore. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. I think it's just, there's a lot of service to how cool looking the 40s, this this time period was. Like the, all the way down to, you know, the Nazi uniforms and everything and the gun choices and stuff. I, I think it's just, I even think that's why he's wearing this jacket because it is very of that time, I think. So. Or maybe you know, I, I look at it as you've got 32 minutes to live and you stop to change clothes. Yes, as a matter of fact, I did. And I'm going to go out in style. That's how I look at it. And he made a Sonic Kane. That I do like. <laughs> Brian, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Some behind the scenes of the green long coat that Matt Smith wears instead of the tweed is that they were filming in a colder season, so Matt Smith wanted something warmer. Good, I yeah. wanted to know that. He's entitled. He's entitled to it. Not that he's an entitled person. <laughs> <laughs> did, Karen, did Karen also try to get pants? for this episode, it's colder. They said the dames weren't wearing the pants in the thirties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, since we're mentioning clothing, uh, one funny thing I didn't catch until I, I watched the subtitles, when River first changes and she, uh, she goes to the bathroom and she says something like, that's fantastic. And then she comes out and says something like, I'm gonna be wearing lots of jumpers. But if you it's look at jumpers. the- Right, if you look at the subtitles, it's a very specific uh, type of pants, more like a riding pants. Uh, Brian, do you know more? Like, Yeah, about? we looked it up because we did the same thing. We always thought she was saying jumpers because, you know, she's endowed. But it was more um, the very tight, close-fitting pants that are most often used for riding horses. And they specifically are very, very tight uh, around the thighs. So it's a very river comment. Yeah, no, I think I, I'm sure as you guys did as well, looked up like Google images of what they look like. And they are, yeah, they're our typical river. differently? How did you even know they were yeah, talking about? Yeah, it's spelled, it's, um, it's named after an Indian city. 
and that's in India. I'm not being racially insensitive. Um, J-O-D-H-P-U-R-S. Jompers. Oh, jompers. <laughs> <laughs> that, that type of pants also goes with her like neutral color scheme that she normally wears. So that's how I saw it as well. Hmm. That's so chaste of you, Eugene. <laughs> it has to do with her color scheme, not with her gorgeous booty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was less about up here, more like, yeah. I didn't know she was rich with pirate treasure. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Eugene, that was so chaste of you. <laughs> well, you know, I saw it. X marks the spot. Oh. I don't know what I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> the doctor begs Melody to help save her parents from the end. <laughs> Mid-rescue, the doctor collapses from the poison. Tessa left to Amy, or rather the humans operating her, can't understand why he'd want to save his own killer. On the other hand, the doctor disapproves of the Justice Department's methods, which apparently include traveling through time to torture infamous criminals just before their deaths. Amy, as Melody's mother, uses her family privileges to convince the Justice Department to halt and look up records. They discover that the Silence, the religious order who brainwashed Melody, wants the Doctor dead, believing silence will fall when the oldest question in the universe is asked. Strangely, the Wrecker doesn't know what the question is. When the Doctor falls, about to die, the Tesselecta begins to torture Melody for his death. Amy stops them by using the Doctor's sonic screwdriver to deactivate their wristbands thus making them defenseless against the antibodies. The Justice Department crew manages to escape, but they leave Amy and Rory behind. Meanies. <laughs> yeah, clearly they don't care before. about justice at all. Exactly. Well, I know, I thought they... the same thing. If, if their whole thing is about correcting wrongs. But it's not. It's about it's not. torturing bad guys before they die. It's 1984. You know, the words mean the opposite of what they are supposed to be. Right. Well, Amy did just try to kill them all. Like, no, she was trying to say someone, and all they had to do was shut down the thing so they don't kill her. I also took it as an automatic thing. Like, it wasn't a person picking and choosing. It was they pressed a button and then they got zapped because they're already in the system. Yeah, everybody wearing. Oh no, they're they're wearing a band too. Yeah. Well, and even after the torture shut down, the antibodies were still going. So. Right. Yeah. Like even if they did shut down, everyone. Yeah, was I was wondering right. about that. If the whole thing got shut down, why are they still going? And then I was like, well, oh well, whatever. Hey, this is the thing. Get Can't your wait. antibodies under control, people. <laughs> God. You should take an antibiotic. Anti-antibiotics. <laughs> but um, <Right>. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think it deserved that. <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes I don't understand what the plot of the episode is until there's a summary for our podcast. <laughs> so that they, that the Justice Department like takes the criminals somewhere to torture them. But I think what actually happens is they show up just before their deaths and then torture them there. But, like, I think it varies, I think. Yeah, because what happens is, I think maybe that's why the robots maybe adapt their, their looks. So um, they're killed in its place. Something? We wouldn't know. We've never seen it done properly because they screwed up Hitler yeah, and they're yeah. screwing yeah. up River. So who are these hooligans? Like, and don't forget Green Rasputin. They're <laughs> <laughs> just not very good. Right. Uh, no. Do you, Do you guys remember the movie? Oh man, where the future like takes people off of airplanes and natural yeah. disasters to it's save a, them. Oh shoot! It's like Millennium something. Yeah, I think it is Millennium. It's got a uh, Chris Christopherson and yeah. Cheryl Ladd. But yeah, these. The Justice Department need to watch that movie. That's the way 
you get people out of the timeline in order to do whatever with them. Like they could have taken Hitler, replaced the Hitler with a body. I'm sure if they're time traveling, they can make ganger bodies from the future that the past wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And then they can torture him all they want in the future. Just leave the, the old body. It doesn't quite make sense. I, I mean, Hitler supposedly was alone when he died, but how are you going to torture someone and then leave the body? It, it, I don't know. Well, you don't torture them for infinity. But how long should you torture them for? What is the proper amount of torture? It depends on the crime. <laughs> like, how much torture should Hitler get? Oh, it, it depends infinite. on how many crimes. Well, they showed up in 1938, so that's what, eight, I can't do math, six, seven years of torture? They'd started at the proper time. If, if you're going to go back in time to really make somebody feel punished for what they did, your, your, your time of punishment is at that point as long as possible, right? Yeah. Like, you don't go back in time to give them an extra well, five give them minutes. Give them a little, give them a noogie. Ah, right there, you. <laughs> right, right, I mean, right before they, they buy it. The whole then they thing get out, they're like, that was a minor inconvenience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think this is one thing about the episode that I don't really like is because it's inconsistent and I want the stuff with River. I, I, that's the stuff I want. Yeah. But then we have this other stuff that is also coming alongside to help us with the River stuff. But it's not great because you have the internal logic of Amy's a family member, so she has rights to certain information. But that, so that's thought out, but yet the physics and the, the what do you call it, the, the protocol for what you do within this crew is very loose. It's kind of like the Ganger episode where the, the two-part episode that could have been one part where they spent so much time focused on this thing that really isn't even what the show is about. Also, the fact they waited till this late in the episode to even tell you what they do yeah. implies that it was supposed to be maybe a big reveal. And really, it was more like, a, oh, thank God, now I finally get it revealed. When I just don't think it was necessary. I don't know. Another storyline problem. They have a mothership. So everything we've talked about is thrown out because they are sanctioned to do this and they're at the wrong time because a mothership took them to the wrong time. It's like, yeah. why do they have a mothership? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're just part of this thing because there's even a bigger story behind this that makes no sense. I'm, I'm thinking Doctor Who spinoff. What do you guys think? <laughs> this department. Huh? We'll learn about history and then yeah. we'll kill them. <laughs> but only after we fumble and show up at the wrong time twice. At least the doctor, like, understands and states that this is not proper. Like, he is not going along with right. this version of time travel. So that's good. The doctor begs Melody to save her parents from the antibodies. Amy's cry for help from inside the Tesselecta sends a dying doctor crawling toward the TARDIS with every ounce of strength he has left. Moved by his desperation, Melody experiences a change of heart. Amy and Rory soon find themselves within the safety of the TARDIS, but the doctor isn't there. It was Melody who flew it to rescue them. The TARDIS taught her how. Once back to safety, the doctor asks to speak with their daughter. It was Melody who flew the, in to rescue them. It's the TARDIS that taught her how. So we get the, question, the answer to the question posed in Time of Angels. The doctor asks, how, how does Riversong know how to pilot the TARDIS so well? And she says, the best taught me, I think. Right, and oh, you think oh, yeah. you doctor. think that it's a future version of the Doctor when it's actually the TARDIS itself or herself teaching River Song. So it's like finally we're here. <laughs> I also but, really love about this section to see Melody turn into River in a way, like her whole emotional journey she takes in just this, these five minutes. 
Yeah, and possibly if she didn't regenerate, she wouldn't have had that freedom to change, you know, because of the programming she had. I see, because she's a bit so of a I'm new thinking, person. It's like she just changed, so maybe that, along with what the doctor's doing and everything else, gave her more of an opportunity to be who she wants to be. Right. Stop this. I wish it could be longer. I wish it could be more gradual, because then it would hurt, punch you even more. But I think for the time they had, I don't know, I wanted to be moved even more than I was. I was yeah. moved. It is but, quite rushed. But I think Alex Kingston pulls it off. She could pull off anything. Do you like guys jumpers. Think, yeah. And that's from a gay man. Um, do you guys think that they should have made the ganger episodes one episode and made this one two? Do you Absolutely. think that would have worked? Totally. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, yes, good. Because I, I agree. Let's get in the TARDIS. Let's go back. Let's change <laughs> I was gonna try to make a ganger joke that we got two uh, ganger episodes. One of them was the one that should have died. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> we really didn't need two episodes. The only reason why they existed was to introduce gangers. You yeah. totally could have done that in one episode. And they still would have been interesting. Still would have worked. Especially since they change what the gangers are, that they don't have the sentience of life anymore. Oh yeah. I think there was an agenda with that. It was a double agenda with that episode, those two episodes of, of, of a, it was a human rights episode as much as it was about the story of the characters. And I, I think, I don't know, maybe when that show came out, it was a little more fresh, but at this point, maybe we're looking back on it as like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind Who of cares feel... about human rights? Right. Well, it's no, just, I mean, I, I get the, it's just, yeah, that's a good the, point. You just feel the agenda as opposed to kind of letting it sink in. If you only had so many episodes in a season, this one should have had more depth to it. I, def I definitely feel like if if the writers had broke this story earlier or if they knew like I mean I and I'm saying this without real knowledge like I don't know if they had the whole season and like planned the mid break for here but it does feel like they figured out something you know and came back strong with this but maybe they figured that out too late right. to make it in the the ending of the season because it, it's it, so close and yeah like yeah it certainly feels that way and maybe showing Alex Kingston as you know the new Melody Pond would have been a great episode ending to go on to the second part. And that's a great position to put it because mm -hmm. we found out more about Mel in that first one and then more about River, how River becomes to be in the second. I agree with Oliver and I think they came up with the ideas too late, but the ideas were so good they wanted to use them. But just making a two-hour episode and it would have worked better. <laughs> I guess we were, we were spoiled by the way Russell did things in his run. It feels maybe that they tried something new in production because Russell's, what, four seasons? They just felt tighter. They felt like, because when you rewatch them, you can see that, yes, there are posters for both Saxon in season three, so. And two. Yeah, so this guy Saxon, it plays out where it feels more improv the way Moffat is showrunning these seasons where he has an idea and then people start adding yes ending yes ending and then it changes what that original idea is instead of seeing it to its its original conclusion yeah right the scene that got me was when River's being tortured sorry Melody at this point is being tortured and Amy gets control and talks what do we do doctor what do I do what's going on you know she's ready to take action she just doesn't know what that is yet and the doctor which is being tortured when he just helped me in such a pleading tone of helplessness it was like the doctor is totally helpless you know it was like it's crawling back to the TARDIS and just help me <laughs> it, does sad. he say help me or does he say help Amy and Rory both. he says both yeah. he says both okay help River help her 
Yeah, he's, I think he says... But at one point, he does say, help me, when he's trying to get the yeah. target yeah. in the chest. Yeah. Kind of tears your heart out, knowing it's the doctor, and he is completely helpless. Speaking of that scene, when the doctor gets up and starts cr from the floor and starts crawling toward the TARDIS, the track that's playing underneath that, it reminds me of uh, Forest of the Dead, the backwards type of music when uh, Donna is in the alternate or inside the mainframe. Mm. I don't know if you caught that, but the, the, the soundtrack is um, like reversed. It's supposed to make you feel like not good. You know what I mean? Like uneasy. Something's wrong. Yeah. So I like that choice there because it's it's adding to that feeling of what Frank said that the doctor is helpless and now you're being clued in musically that it is not good. I did also like the um, TARDIS materializing. It was the opposite of Blink, where it dematerialized so they can trap, you know, the angels. But this one was really nice. And then just River going, I don't know, the machine, the TARDIS taught me how to work her and how to fly this. And the doctor said I was a child of the TARDIS. And what does that mean? I mean, you can just see that's when she starts going, I don't understand what's really going on. But this is, she's realizing something so much bigger is happening. Like, and it's obvious that the uh, the people that brainwashed her didn't tell her the whole truth. I love River's vulnerable moments. She has such a wide range in her character. Yeah, I think that's why I was so affected by that that sequence, you know, of her kind of transforming in that way. Of because she went from such a brass per person to and, and calloused to someone who had you know deep thoughtful feelings. Now, also, the doctor's been calling her, called her River multiple times in this episode. But, and that but she, she doesn't get picked that, up, that yeah, she hasn't picked on. up on it. Like, she always, she, she always says, who is this River? Or this must be somebody special. Like, they're talking to you, but she doesn't know that. Yeah, but it seems a little weird. Well, it's almost like she thinks he's delusional and just calling out to somebody because he's so sick. And it's like, why does he keep calling for this person? I think it's weird that she doesn't figure it out or... I don't know. She's a smart lady. <laughs> if you want a hand wave, you could blame the brainwashing. Maybe she's incapable of accepting herself as River because the silence knows of that future history. Right. Why? How would Melody know that her name is actually is at, in the future? Her name is River Song. She wouldn't, but she's it's the duality of is he calling me by this other person's name? She doesn't seem to get that at all. I mean, if I kept calling, calling you Patty, you would. Yeah. What would you think if I kept calling you Patty? Like, because a lot of the times he says River, he's like saying it out. Like the collective we. Right. <laughs> so it's, you know, the silence or people in charge, which I don't right. actually know yet. <laughs> well, we know, but um, they're the ones who put her where she needs to be and what to do and trying to find, you know, she's trying to find her parents so she can get close to the doctor. That's her only goal and that's where she's focused. The doctor asks Melody to find River Song and tell her something. A secret message he whispers into her ear. Confused, Melody turns to Amy, who asks the Tesselecta to show Melody who River Song is, and she realizes that she is River Song. Deeply touched, River uses all her remaining regeneration in order to resuscitate him. While she recovers, the doctor leaves her the TARDIS-shaped journal that will record all their future meetings. While she recovers in the best hospital in the universe, the doctor leaves her the TARDIS-shaped journal that she will record all their future meetings in. Rory asks if River's brainwashing has been expunged, but he merely smiles in answer. Hmm. Yes, best hospital in the universe? Right. <laughs> The, the sisters of the unending schism, something like that. Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, but they aren't this, cats. I wish they were. Yeah, this is where Melody changes into River. I mean, you can see everything where she's realizing this is somebody important and giving up any future regeneration she would have to save his life. I love that, and 
you know, when the doctor is dying and then he tells Amy and Rory that he wants to talk to River, the track that's playing under that is Forgiven. And I just really, it stuck out to me as a great track to fit that, uh, that emotion. And it just amplified that for me. So that's one thing, uh, another thing that I enjoy about this episode. And then Mel's asked the doctor, is he worth it? And then that's a reference to Madame de Pompadour and Girl in the Fireplace. So I thought that that was great. Oh. When did she say that? Um, when Madame de Pompadour, uh, sorry, when Rose takes Madame de Pompadour out of France in the past and tells her this is the plan that the doctor has. So he won't see you until this certain night. And then she hears the audio of her future because the time corridors are split up or wacky in the space station. So she hears what's going to happen and she knows that there's going to be something later on that's kind of frightening. So she goes, is the doctor worth it? Hmm. I forgot about that. That's good. I like that. Do you think, what do you think he whispers into her ear? Because she says, I'm sure she knows. Uh, 42. Yes, 42. <laughs> it is the oldest question. The first thing I thought of was that it was his name. Oh, tell her my name is this. Sure and she say, I'm sure she knows. <laughs> but why would that? That wouldn't move her necessarily. Right. That's why I don't think that's it. But yeah, because she doesn't know him at this point. Uh, yeah. I mean, it would be tell River I love her or something like that. Right. Because she doesn't know she's River yet or she doesn't believe she's River yet. Like at Correct. that whisper. But I don't think she accepts it per the right. story until the Tesselact shows her. That oh, I see. I see. That she's River. Right, right, right. And then whatever he whispered in his ear sinks in. Before, I'm sure she knows is just like, well, if you're so close to her, I'm sure she knows whatever you just told me. And then when she realizes she is River Song, then the message changes her because she's like, oh, what he just told me is to me, not this person I don't know. I think he would say it a lot more flowery than I love you. It would be tell River she is the one woman I'd give my life for or something along that line. I like to think that too. You know, it'd be a little bit more than I could write. According to River's uh, facial expressions, thinks is sweet and corny. And, you know, it's, you know, she kind of smiles with it going, yeah, I'm sure she knows <laughs> or something. It's just her reaction that is more than just, I love her. It was something right. she's like, that's corny, but very sweet. Look that's, to her face. That's the point where I, the audience doesn't hear it, right? Because whatever it is, right. it's <laughs> better <that>. than anything <laughs> you could ever write. She really doesn't look all that good in Jobbers. <laughs> I'm sure she knows. He whispered, you were wrong about the jumpers. <laughs> now, does River, do you think that she knows she is giving up all her regenerations? Or do you think she's just going with her gut and saving him and then discovers that later? That's up to interpretation. It's it's not clear. Right. I actually forgot that she gave him all of them for some reason, even though I don't know why I would forget that. But when they said that line, like she doesn't have any left, I was like, oh, oh. oh. Which story-wise she had to do because we saw yes. how she died. <laughs> yeah, because how it happens in Silence in the Library, she has to stay in this form. I don't Which know, I was it just wasn't in that... the forefront of my mind. I remember oh, watching cool. this years ago thinking like, when are they going to get back to Hitler? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been the last scene. Him, let me out. Let me out. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> exactly. I've been playing hide and seek for three hours <laughs> and thirty-two minutes. Let me count again. Eins, zwei. <laughs> 
I did like the little thing that they did going back to the last episode where River is telling Amy who she is. And this one, Amy is telling River who she is. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice little mother dollar timey wimey switch around. It's a crazy family. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Just, I'm sorry. I'm watching uh, The Big Bang. Okay. Because I'm curious. <laughs> She's wearing joppers in those two episodes. Oh, no, not the show. Oh, never mind. Oh. I thought you were about the Big Bang Theory. And I'm like, you're watching a sitcom while we're doing your podcast. Did I say theory? The word no, not- you didn't. My brain did, though. But in... in- but in Pandorica opens and the Big Bang, because I was thinking about it going, well, that's a she weird thing to mention. And then I was like, well, maybe she's already worn them, so. Yeah, because they use horses to get to Stonehenge. Oh, yeah. So that makes sense. Dude, I was gonna say, I feel like I remember her wearing those. I was right. We also get to see her begin her archaeology adventure at the end yep. of this episode. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. She's then, at uh, Luna University in 5123. Where she becomes a doctor. Uh-huh. Is that where she becomes a professor? Dr. River Song. Is that where she gets her doctorate? Or I would think so. She's a doctor there. of archaeology, like Dr. Jones. I'm not making a joke. No, like, I know, I know. Oh, we know. <laughs> Why does everybody think I'm always joking? Why did you think our silence was a response to a joke? Because of my low self-worth. Because usually it's jokes end in silence, so. Right, yeah. (laughs) Or somebody going, womp, womp. I can add those in. (laughs) I really love that she became an archaeologist to find the doctor. Right. Yeah. I thought that was great. That and was I, great. And, and I like how it's sort of switched where all the time we've been introduced to River in the Moffat run, it's always she's killed a good man. And then now at the end, why do you want to become an archaeologist? Well, I want to find a good man. Yeah. Spoilers. And that's one thing. The doctor says spoilers, and that starts the whole spoiler thing with her when she's, you know, right, just right. changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's this River song you're talking about? Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> it's like, oh. So we find out where she gets the hardest diary journal. We get where she gets spoilers from. And then we're going to find out later where she gets the screwdriver from. Mm. And we found out how she learned to fly the TARDIS. And the rules that the doctor lies. She's unconscious. She but she does. could be written in the diary when See, she opens it up. <laughs> she ha- it has to be because she says that late, earlier with later, right? <laughs> yes. So maybe that's where the seed is planted. She's like half asleep. She still heard it. <laughs> maybe the she regeneration it added it. So, so it's weird that we get 90% of who River Song is in one episode. And Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where Indiana Jones becomes who he is in the hook of the movie. And, and I, I get think to your point, though, that as far as that's concerned with that movie, so everything about this guy happened in an afternoon? Right. But this episode yes. wasn't an afternoon. This yes, was... that's where I was getting at. Like, yeah. that was too condensed where this feels better because it has breathing room. Right. It feels better, but it could feel even better. Yes, yeah. I agree with that as well. Like we mentioned, if this was maybe yeah. two episodes. Uh, so we have returning Alex Kingston as River Song, Caitlin Blackwood as young Amelia Pond, then we have stand-ins, literally, for Billy Piper as Rose Tyler, Freema Adjaman as Martha Jones, and Catherine Tate as Donna Noble. The new cast members we have are Nina Toussaint-White, who plays Mel's. She has appeared as Angie in Uncle. 
she was Kate in Feed, which is a Amazon original, I think that just uh, dropped recently. And then Maya Grace Green plays the young Mel's, like the toddler Mel's. This is the only thing she's done. And then Ezekiel Wigglesworth plays the toddler Rory, Rory and that's the only thing he's ever done. Wigglesworth. Yeah, those are mean parents. Philip Ram plays Zimmerman. And he also played a German colonel in Band of Brothers in one of the last episodes where uh, Lieutenant, I think he's now Major Winters, accepts the surrender of the uh, German colonel. He's the one that offers his sidearm mm. and, oh. and, and then says, no, keep it. This is how all, short, all wars should end without ever having fired a bullet. I don't know. I was like, this guy looks very familiar. And I'm like, oh, he fits in other he, German uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he also played a Nazi officer in the movie Woman in Gold. This guy. Wow, this guy. Is he German? Rom? Yeah. Spelled R-H-A-M. Could be. I dated a guy whose last name was Rom. He was not German, though. He was Swedish. Could be the Anyway, the hopefully he's not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> he also played a Death Eater in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Mm. Richard Delane plays Carter. He was the, I think he's the, the captain of the Tesselecta. He was acting commissioner in The Dark Knight. Hmm. And he will appear in a future Doctor Who episode. Hmm. Amy Cudden plays Anita, who was um, the other helmsman, if you will, in the, the, the bridge. The or the brunette? I think the, the brunette. The other helmsman is played by Davoud Gadami. Uh, he plays Jim. Ella Kinion plays Harriet, who is the blonde on the, the Tesselecta crew. Uh, she is Matt's publicist in the show Episodes with Matt LeBlanc. Mm-hmm. And she's also appeared in as several characters in the Catherine Tate show. Albert Welling plays Adolf Hitler. How many times has he played Hitler? He's done nothing I recognize, but he and he hasn't played Hitler again. That, oh, that's really? what I thought. I or, thought he would have before? done it again. Yeah, because he looked it's really good. It's too emotionally draining. You get too much into the character. Well, the thing about that is that when uh, they did him on set and then he started like, you know, walking around, people were really thrown by how good it looked. Right. Uh, Mark Killeen plays the German officer. And I think this is the German officer that shoots or orders to shoot Riversong. Paul Bentley plays Professor Candy. He's the one in the Luna University that uh, where Riversong starts her doctorate, I guess. He played the High Septum in Game of Thrones. He was a, oh, okay. a. He played the old German in Band of Brothers, the episode "Why We Fight." Oh, and then the female teacher in that montage where Amy and Mel's are growing up is played by Tor Clark. So let's kill Hitler. Who is this episode good for? Or more specifically, this episode is good for who? A new viewer, a casual viewer, a fan of the show, or a diehard? I think I'm going to place this episode into the casual category. I, I wouldn't like. No, I would not show this to anybody because it ruins like a lot of payoffs. It's not like a reset in the way that some like first episodes after a break could be. But I don't think like, I think it's fun. You know, it's fun to see River. And if you've already gotten some of her story, then I would definitely like throw this in the mix. So I'll go with casual. Ah, no, this one's hard, but aren't they all hard for me? Um, uh, I don't know. I was gonna, my instinct says fan, but then like there's all these references that I didn't even get, like all these callbacks to other episodes. I don't know, it's so, such a weird episode. Um, I don't know. I'll say fan. 
I think the problems I had with this episode were more production oriented with rewrites or, you know, editing for time, things like that, rather than the story itself. It's like, yes, it wasn't done well in some aspects, but it was a fun episode. It's a fun episode to watch again. Uh, so I do like it. I do like this episode. Again, between casual and fan, I'm going to go with fan because I think it would rob a good man goes to war of the river, you know, reveal. I think it just would rob you of that if you knew about this as you're watching casually. I mean, oh, and I like that reveal more than I like this reveal of it's going to be River. But for me, it's mostly just a River reveal that puts me to say casual. I mean, to say to say fan, because I didn't want that robbed from the other episode. Along with, I, I'm going to put it in the fan category because of the River reveals, but also I personally am not a huge fan of this episode. There are moments I really love. The Rory comedy moments are great. And I really love the last 10 minutes um, where River kind of goes through her transformation or her understanding I suppose but this episode didn't really I don't think it would necessarily turn me on to this show if it was the first one I'd seen and again casual don't want to give away the river stuff so I'm putting it in fan uh I'm gonna say casual um I like it I liked it a lot more watching it last night than I did when I first watched it I'll say casual I think people would understand what's going on if they occasionally watch the show and if they were flipping by they could watch it I think it's for a fan. I think a casual viewer might not know. If they, if you don't watch the last episode especially, then half of the heart of the show is missing. And um, I think a casual viewer may not have seen that episode, also may not know the history. There's just too, it is a fun episode. If someone, if a, if a, if a new Who viewer just watched this, they'd probably enjoy watching it, but it's, it's spoiler heavy. There's just too much in here that um, a casual or a new person shouldn't see. I remember, being totally looking back i remember when i watched this episode annoyed that it had nothing to do with hitler and because I, I was just well yeah let's kill like what about that and they don't do barely anything about it obviously clickbait yeah it's total clickbait and um now when i watched it remembering that that was the case i really enjoyed this episode didn't think about that twice so i say fan uh, the whole idea of the Tesselecta reminds me of a movie that I don't like, which is uh, with Eddie Murphy, Meet Dave. Oh, yeah. So that didn't work then. It didn't work for me this time because of all the inconsistencies. But I do enjoy all the stuff with River. Like, I wish that ep this episode had just been River instead of all this other stuff. But I'm going to have to put it into the fan category for the payoff because a fan will understand who River Song is, why this is important, yeah. and why why Amy and Rory are looking for their daughter. Like you won't, I don't think you, I mean, yes, there is a previously on, but I don't think that's enough to get you the emotional impact that you want to have. So this is really intended for a fan. So that wraps up Let's Kill Hitler. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by Auburn. You can find him at auburnbinkley.com. You can also find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. Visit our Facebook page. Please leave comments, reviews, and click like to help support Who Knew Podcast. To listen to our show on your Amazon Echo device, enable the AnyPod podcast skill. Ask AnyPod to play the Who Knew Podcast 
This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who. The longest running sci-fi show in history. And especially the revival, spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, Delia Derbyshire, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain.